Hello, and welcome to the Credit Union Overtime Podcast, produced and presented by the Credit Union Webinar Network, powered by FinEd. Today, we have Molly Stoll with us to discuss her webinar titled New Employee Required Training. Molly Stoll began her career as a teller while working on her undergraduate degree and has continued working in the financial industry ever since. She has experienced the growth of a hometown bank, branch mergers, charter changes, name changes, and more. Molly has activated business resumption plans, performed secondary market quality control reviews, processed wires, filed SARs, and coordinated reviews with external auditors and examiners. Her favorite role has always been educating staff and strongly believes that if staff understands the reason for a process, they will be more compelled to follow the procedures. Molly holds a bachelor's from the University of Akron and an MBA from Ashland University. So with that, Molly, thank you so much for taking the time to record with me today. You are quite welcome, Rachel. (laughs) Well, if we just want to jump right into it, I have a few questions for you regarding your new employee training webinar. And my first question is, um, is this webinar only intended for a person who's just been hired at their financial institution, or is it a useful tool for recruiters or maybe other personnel as well? Great question. It is designed to cover basic required information that employees of a financial institution need to know. Um, Oftentimes, there's so much information that you're throwing at them, you know, those first couple days during the onboarding process, even the first week or two. It can be utilized, you know, for annual training in most cases for at least the general information, such as information security, you know, a nice overview of BSA. It it covers on several topics and the highlights of those topics. It doesn't get into nitty gritty details, but it absolutely could be used. Obviously, it was designed for new employees, but it can also be used as a refresher for other general Um, employees that need just a basic refresher of some critical regulations. Awesome. And um, so you mentioned you go over just kind of the basics of everything. And I know you go over the basics of um, kind of needing to understand to be up to date with current regulations. Um, But I know there are so many regulations out there for different departments to watch out for and just so many updates constantly. Do you know of any helpful resources that a new employee can go to in order to find information on regulations and which regulations they themselves need to pay attention to for their particular department? Yes. Um, We we have provided a list of in the manual that comes with us at the very end, just a quick little overview of a lot of the regulations that are out there. But in order to get specific information on a particular regulation. There's a couple sources. One is you could go to your agency that is provides the regulatory over, oversight for your institution, as well as the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's website. Um, they have a lot of information out there, particularly on the regulations that are applicable to them, that they have oversight responsibilities for, such as you know, truth and lending, Reg E, Reg CC. Um, there, there is a list out there on the website. And then also take a look at your regulatory agency's exam manuals because oftentimes they have a narrative um, within the exam manual that talks about the section, provides a high level overview, and provides some additional information on that regulation. So there, there are multiple sources um, outside of the, the webinar on the, for the new employee required training that were, that we provided. 
Great. Awesome. Um, and so I know also in your webinar, you go over a little bit uh, the BSA or Bank Secrecy Act. Um, can you tell us what that act does and why we as new employees need to pay attention to it and understand it? Are there any fines or penalties that we're looking at for noncompliance with BSA? Yes, because every institution has to follow the Bank Secrecy Act. And if you're looking for more information on the Bank Secrecy Act, you can go out to the FFIEC website um, because that is the agency that writes the exam manual for the Bank Secrecy Act. But basically, the Bank Secrecy Act is ultimately designed to protect the financial institutions, you know, the whole system within the United States. Just think for a moment, you know, because we have these things called cell phones and, you know, so much information at our fingertips, if somebody starts something or something happens in which the population feels that there's going to be a threat to our the financial system, you know, their ability to get money, it's going to be, you know, create all sorts of chaos. So the Bank Secrecy Act is designed to look out, help us identify suspicious activity and report activity that's, you know, that we think is suspicious to a centralized body so that they can, you know, use it. Ultimately, the law enforcement, various law enforcement agencies throughout this country utilize information that we as bankers have identified as either suspicious or we also have to keep track of large currency transactions, um, uh, transactions over 10,000, we have to report those. So it's a database that they could utilize. But ultimately, the financial system is, you know, the Bank Secrecy Act is designed to protect our financial system. And, and you as a bank or a, you as a financial institution employee have a responsibility to make sure that you're following the rules outlined by the Bank Secrecy Act. So if you don't follow the rules, your financial institution could, you know, the next BSA exam could be challenging, but there's also civil money penalties that can be assessed to your financial institution as well as to you individually for, you know, blatant non-compliance with, with the requirements. So that's a quick little review, but during the webinar, we do cover at a high level a number of different components of the Bank Secrecy Act. Awesome. Um, and so kind of talking about um, suspicious activities, um, obviously financial institutions are used by criminals to launder money, exploit identity theft, et cetera, et cetera. And so every person at the institution is is got to be looking for red flags that indicate those nefarious activities. And so I know you go over the need to watch out for fraud and all that good stuff. Um, and you kind of give uh, a little bit of details of red flags to look out for. Um could you give us a little taste of red flags to look out for as a new employee, what we could just be paying attention to our first few days on the job? Absolutely. And you're, you're right. We talk about red flags a lot in the financial institution. But before we get into a specific, a red flag is just designed for, you know, an alert, something that needs to raise your, your, you know, raise your eyebrows and make you more alert, just like as you're driving your automobile. You know, when that light flashes on in your dash, whether it's that you need an oil change or you have that low tire pressure, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have something horrible going wrong. Um, and it may be something that's explained or you can can easily fix, but it's designed to alert you. It's a red flag. Same thing here when we talk about Bank Secrecy Act, or we also talk about red flags as it relates to identity theft. These are things that, depending upon the area that you're working in within your financial institution, 
you know, whether it be loans or if you're in the branch environment or in deposit ops, these are types of transactions or things that have been identified as a red flag, something to alert you, you know, to become more alert about because there may be, you know, it may indicate that there's additional activity going on that isn't necessarily on the up and up. Now, just because you've identified a red flag doesn't mean, you know, this person or this this individual is, you know, doing a criminal act. It just means I need to be alert and pay a little bit more attention. And it could very well be something that's easily explained, or it could be something that's, you know, two plus two isn't adding up to four here. So you need to take the appropriate steps outlined by your institution as to what, you know, who to alert. So, um, Something in the financial industry for, let's say you're a new employee in the branch, you know, you want to watch out, for example, if you have an elderly customer or individual that comes to your window and there's somebody else with them and they are, you know, directing that individual what to do and not allowing that individual to answer questions, that may indicate that, you know, there's some potential elder financial exploitation going on. So, you know, right. One thing that might you might pay attention to. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I, and so I know you also touch a little bit. Um, you go into lots of different details, things that you know about banking in general. But um, you touch on CTRs. Can you explain to me what a CTR is and when would we use it? Absolutely, a CTR is a currency transaction report, and these reports are designed to capture cash activity, whether it is an individual bringing cash into your financial institution or an individual that has requested some, you know, a a check cashing of a check or withdraw from one of their accounts. And the triggering amount is cash transactions over $10,000. And it doesn't matter, like I said, if it's coming in or going out. And it's not just one transaction. If I go to a branch in the morning and withdraw $6,000 and then go to another branch in the afternoon and withdraw $5,000, well, six plus five is 11000 So that has triggered the reporting requirement. And when that, that, you know, when that threshold is met, then there's obviously we need to document the, some certain information regarding the transaction on a form called the Currency Transaction Report, a CTR, such as, you know, their name, date of birth, social security number, the account that it was coming from, um, and the dollar amount of the transaction, as well as some other information. But in most cases, your systems are designed to flag when that when you need to collect additional information and when the, the triggering amount has been met. Okay, perfect. Um, and so I know you also mentioned a little bit about OFAC. Can you tell me what the OFAC list is? And is that a resource I'm going to need to use every day as a new employee? Or how often do we look at that? Okay, OFAC. It, OFAC is a list that is put together by the government of people and entities that it is illegal to do business with as a United States citizen. So Obviously, as a bank employee, we open up new accounts. So one of the things we want to do is make sure that when we open up the, these new accounts, that the individuals that are site that are um, owners of the account aren't on this list. Because, like I said, it's illegal to do business. There can be fines and penalties assessed against somebody that's doing business with somebody on this list. Typically, there's you know it's there's 
people that have been identified as terrorists. There's countries that we can't do business with because the U.S. government has sanctions against them. So this is a, a list that is a public database, basically of bad people, bad businesses that have been identified, you know, on this list. And we typically use it in the financial industry, you know, when we're opening new accounts, both on, on the deposit and loan side, as well as like when we're doing things such as um, do generating wire transfer requests. You know, we want to check the beneficiaries. Some institutions will also check like if it's a loan disbursement, who the loan proceeds are going to. So depending upon your your role in the financial industry and within your new job, you might be checking it every day. You might only be checking it once a week. But, you know, like I said, this list is designed for everybody in this country and we're not able to do business with them. So even outside of this, if you're conducting a, now for some reason you're conducting a transaction with somebody from a port country or, you know, that you're not familiar with, you could, you know, be ultimately doing business with somebody that you're not very familiar with and somebody that's on that list. And that is something that is, is not a legal activity. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, Molly. You're quite welcome. All right. Well, here at the end, I'd like to take a moment to allow our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, So Molly, can you tell us a little bit about what Broad Consulting has to offer and what you provide uh, for Broad? Absolutely. Broad Consulting, we are a a small company that we provide consumer compliance consulting work for for various financial institutions. We conduct consumer compliance reviews. So if you're not comfortable that your Flood Disaster Protection Act program or your flood program is, you know, as solid as it, as it needs to be, we could come in and do a review of your, your procedures, your policies, and the flood loans that you have to make sure that you have adequate coverage. We do reviews on all of the consumer compliance regs. So if it's a TRID review, reggae disputes, um, um, privacy like I said, we we help institutions make sure that their compliance management system is solid. And then we also conduct BSA, Bank Secrecy Act reviews, audits. Um, and, and many, many firms utilize us, you know, to conduct their annually required review. And we also will do training for um, various associations and also your institution if you're you're actually having an in-person meeting, we would be happy to, you know, come and talk to your employees on any of the consumer compliance regs. We also do sessions on elder financial exploitation, identity theft, you know, um, cryptocurrency, anything that you may find hot as it relates to BSA or consumer compliance. So in a nutshell, those are, you know, the types of services that we, we do offer out there for Um, any type of financial institutions. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, Molly. And folks, you can find the Broad Consulting website, a link to that in our show notes here at the end of the podcast. Um, And Molly, uh, with that, I would like to thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat with me today. Um, I appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Rachel, and you as well. And also thank you to the listeners that took time to listen to this podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening into this interview with Molly Stoll on her new employee training webinar. 
You can access and purchase Molly's full webinar, New Employee Required Training, at our website using the link in our show notes. You can also visit us at cuwebtraining.com. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook on the Credit Union Webinar Network pages. Before I sign off, I would like to thank all of our state association partners, our topic experts, and you, the listeners. Thank you for all that you do to support your members. Thanks for listening in.